0: with Denise you know I'm so happy we get to spend this time together no matter where you are in the world we ignite change creativity and growth and help you move forward by bringing on some incredible guests celebrities unsung heroes champions of the cause and today I have someone that I'm absolutely so passionately inspired to have you meet you all know I'm very big into recycling and upcycling and protecting the oceans and so when I reconnected with this friend of mine I thought, oh my God, can't be a better fit. International brand, entrepreneur, self-made artist, up and coming, cares about the, the community and the world we live in, and was so inspiring just to reconnect with. My old friend from the Berkshires, not old, truly old, but my old connection, Crispina French. She has the most incredibly powerful story to tell us this morning and her journey of her business and what she's doing today with her international brand. Are you with us, Crispina? I am, Denise. Thank you so much for having me. Welcome. Welcome to the show. Even though it might be take two, let's not tell anyone. Um, (laughs) (laughs) We're going to rock this. We are taped live, friends, so just stay with us and hang in there. You know what, Crispina, I want you to tell people your journey. You started off at Mass Art back in the late 80s and you developed a, what is now an international brand without people, without people really understanding what it takes to bring this forward. Give us, take us back there. What happened? All what right. did you do to succeed and to fuel soon? your drive?
1: I'm going to try to do this in in five minutes or less tell okay. me if i'm going over okay. um okay so i went to mass art i graduated in 1988 and um when I, while i was there i was i i had a scholarship but i was trying to um make i didn't want to have any debt when i graduated so i really wanted to work my way through school and cover my living expenses so i may, um i took a workshop with in my major it was my major was 3d fine art with a um, focus on textiles And um, an artist came to do a day uh, day long workshop in felt making and her name was Lane Goldsmith. So we spent the day making felt and the, the kind of assignment was to make that felt into some sort of art so i um i made this i i i loved the finish of the felt itself but i was like really not engaged by the wet and cold process of the actual felt making Mm. but nonetheless I, i came up with this little stuffed toy kind of almost like a marionette that um looked a little bit like a dinosaur and uh so people were really taken by it. They were like, Oh my gosh, that's so cool. Can you make me one? And I was like, sure. I can make you one for, you know, I'll charge you a little money and and I'll make you one. So I made probably, I don't know, maybe a half dozen or a dozen of them made out of felt. And I was just, um, from
0: your dorm room, you were making these.
1: Yeah. Well, you know, they didn't even have a dorm. So I was living in an apartment. I had a little tiny basement studio in the duplex that I lived in with, um, three friends that were from mass art as well. And, um, you know, it was, uh, it was the, everywhere that I worked, like at MassArt and in my little basement studio, it was like really cold and dark. So like the idea of working with my arms up to my elbows in cold, soapy water.
0: Yeah, no. Is, That's I'm always cool. cold
1: anyway. So right. like, I, I like to be warm. So after making a few of them and selling them as fast as I could make them, my dad said to me one day, my dad, who was an amazing artist. John Let's T- stop
0: and give him a shout out because your mom and your dad were incredible artists back home in the Berkshires teaching our high school art classes. I think your mom might have even taught my mother in senior year. So shout out to Prem and John, wow. the most outstanding artists, extraordinary teachers going. Okay, Thank go. You.
1: Yeah, they were amazing. I was so blessed to have, been, to have been raised by two very amazing artists. So he said to me, you know, Crispina, you could get the same texture as this beautiful wool felt that you're making by shrinking wool sweaters. And I thought, oh my gosh. What I like like
0: about you and your dad, but what I like about you is that you've always seen the possibilities and you saw the possibilities before they were visible to you. So your creativity really launched. And I kind of make a little joke comes to mind. You know, you're listening to your dad. I mean, what 21 year old really listens to their dad? So you both (laughs) are out there creating and collaborating and you're listening and you're taking what could be possibilities and really turning them into something. And that's what I love our guests to hear. Like, you know, what are the unforeseen possibilities and how do you creatively put them together to make something? So you've got the felt. You
1: know, that is something I think I actually learned from my parents and that that um, today still like people will suggest things to me that, you know, initially might sound a little ridiculous, but later, or even at the moment, I'll be like, you know, I'm going to think about that and see if there's a way to make it work for me. and different things, whether it's about business or parenting or whatever. Um, So I try not to rule anything out immediately by, you know. That's a great tip. Yeah, it's not worth it. Like sometimes people have ideas that are helpful that you just have to kind of digest for a little bit before you see how they fit into whatever goals you have in mind. But okay. So anyways, go ahead. I'm sorry.
0: Go ahead. So you've got the felt from dad. You've got the idea of boiling down the sweaters and
1: So then um, I was, uh, I started making them out of wool sweaters and I became a member at a cooperative in Cambridge called Cambridge Artist Cooperative that was just open for a six week period between the Thanksgiving holiday and the Christmas holiday. And I made these ragamuffins, which I call them these little stuffed toys. And I made as many of them as I could possibly make. And they were just selling like hotcakes. And I was like, so excited because uh, you know I was like, being a working artist while at art school. Oh, well, who would have um, thought? Because you know, I, I know, was know, raised that you know. artists
0: starve and die. <laughs> I know,
1: right? So, um, fast forward a few years, but um after I got out of college, I, I realized that I had this already, like a path to follow for, for making artwork. And I did a trade show, um, an, an American Craft Council show in West Springfield, Mass, which is really near where I, I grew up. And um, I met some really amazing people there. And just to back up a few steps, I had also met some really amazing people at the craft cooperative in Cambridge, who there was like, I think there was about 70 members at that time. So they were all pretty much working craftspeople who had businesses and they were able to kind of like sort of shepherd me through the process of selling at their place. And. Um, part of the cooperative was to work there. So I got to meet them all. And it was really super empowering. And um, I learned a ton from those people. They were really helpful. And So what I'm open. kind of
0: hearing in your journey is you've always been open-minded and you've always been open to the opportunities that presented themselves along your journey. And you also made, you know, relationships that really were beneficial, not just one-sided. Yeah
1: yeah thanks i think that's really true um so after i graduated from MassArt, um two years in i had 40 employees and i was doing shows what and- two years
0: in don't under don't just
1: run by that point you had two two years into it and 40 employees that let's celebrate that so what did it that take amazing and the cool part about it Denise, was i was i was operating in new york state i was living at this point down in millerton new york and um Mm-hmm. Most of the people who worked for me worked from home. So I had uh probably a dozen people who worked in the studio and then I had the the balance of my employees working at home doing piecework. And so I was employing people who were deemed with quotes around it unemployable. Moms at home who were taking care of young children, people who may have might have been at home taking care of elderly parents for for whatever reason they weren't like in the workforce.
0: Well, I love now. I I didn't even know that before we got on the line here that you helped the, quote unquote, unemployable. So what I hear now even further is you are an inclusive person, which I would know that anyways. But that's so important to point out when we find a demographic or a sliver of life that, you know, is sort of put put out to the pasture for whatever the reason is. And you kind of re-inspired them and gave them work.
1: It was amazing wow. Denise like honestly I wow. um, I I just saw people go through these like metamorphoses in their lives where they like really had a very small self-worth and suddenly they were like they they were breadwinners and they were able to like give Talk, talk about somebody fueling
0: somebody's drive. Congratulations. I didn't even know that. That's awesome.
1: It was, it was really it was awesome. Okay, so
0: what happened to the 40 employees?
1: Well, so I moved out of New York state because at the time this was, I think like mid nineties, I, um, you know, employing people in their homes is a little like not super legal because of, I guess it goes back to like when there was, um, people from immigrant populations who were working for very little money, like a hundred years ago, kind of. you know? So I moved to Massachusetts where, you know, the country curtains, um, clan from the, um, from the red line in realm, had made ways into the home employment laws where they were employing people in their homes to make country curtains, and they had kind of set a precedent and made it easier for people like myself to do that as well. So when I moved to Mass, I mean, there's all sorts of regulation around it, and and you know you have to get audited every couple of years by the federal Department of Labor, blah blah blah. So um, we did all that, and we were able to like sing the praises of what we are doing rather than being like don't tell anybody you're working at home um, right no great awesome and good for you for following the law <laughs> well i mean you know and when you get that's one of the things i learned along the way is like if you follow the law and you don't you don't have to worry about anything and so since my business started like I've been really trying, you know, I learned a lot about, you know, how do you file taxes? How do you employ people? Like all of those things are things that I learned from people who I met in the world. I never took a business class in my life. So... You know, I met a, a woman down in Millerton who was an accountant, and she really took me by the hand and sat me down and said, okay, this is how you do it. This is how you file your taxes. This is how you employ people. This is how you withhold money. And, like, she, she really helped me a lot. So, and and all along the way, I met people who were super helpful, people my age and people older. Um my son's father lives down in, in that area and he was a self-employed farmer who had a beautiful retail store so he had a lot of knowledge that he was able to share with me. it also
0: feels like to me that you ask a lot of the right questions because in order to get people to help you or be interested in helping you it's got to be a two-way comfortable street to some degree right. and you got to be able to ask the right questions and show up and be show up and be you know accountable It sounds like you're very very accountable and you know I missed, I kind of lost track of us around this time. So I'm very curious to hear what happened after the 40 employees.
1: So, um, I employed 40 people for a long time. My, my biggest glitch at that part of my business was that I was very seasonal because I was making things out of wool sweaters. So I was making blankets and mittens and these little stuffed toys and lots of like cold weather stuff. I also added sweaters to the mix. So I was making sweaters out of recycled sweaters. So. I did 75% of my sales in the last quarter of the year, which made it very difficult to employ people year round. And, you know, I was constantly having to think about, okay, if I lay these people off, who am I going to find that has these skills for next year? Are they going to still be available? You know, how's that going to work? Right. So one of the things I, I had to do was find a source for working capital so I could pay people to make product all year round and then just, you know, have my income in that last quarter. So um going to the bank and getting loans was really hard because my business was not it was very simple handmade products so like all the people who worked at home right they had sweaters and they had scissors and they had needles and yarn and that's all they needed to do That's work. not
0: real collateral is it <laughs>
1: It was really funny. The bank was like, what do you have? Um, I'm like, a big pile of wool sweaters. <laughs> they were like, I'm not sure we can give you a loan on that. And actually, the first loan I got from the bank down in Connecticut, my my um, son's dad's father secured for me. So he like went out on a limb for me and, and made it possible for my business to thrive and grow. So, you know, I'll, I'll always feel appreciative for all, all of the help I got along the way. But that was like, you know, he, he, he was, the bank was familiar with him. He was like a lifelong customer of theirs. So, so you built were...
0: trust and people had confidence in you. And why not? I mean, when you go from two years in business to 40 employees and working hard with your hands, I mean, there's something to be certainly said for that.
1: Yeah, Do... it was really great. In the first five years I was in business, my sales doubled each year. And then I had this kind of hiccup where my son, who was two and a half years old at the time, was diagnosed with something called myocarditis, which is um, a cardiomyopathy. It's kind of two different terms for um, heart problem. And he was given 18 months to live.
0: Oh, my gosh.
1: Yeah, that was like... Holy wow. crap! What? Where's my focus? Like I'm, I'm all focused on, you know, I have this little boy and I'm taking good care of him. But all of a sudden, it was like my focus changed from running a business and employing people to being the best mom I could be and really focusing in on helping him and learning about what what all of these things mean and like figuring out how to help him. So just to kind of fast forward um, 23 years, he, my son is 25 years old. He lives in Boston and plays in three different bands and his health is fragile and every day is a blessed gift that we are also appreciative of. But um, so that kind of changed my focus and I moved, that was the point in which I moved from New York state to Massachusetts where I could be closer to my family. I was a single mom at this point in a, He was going to and actually you know what we moved from New York State to Massachusetts in February and he was diagnosed in May and in Massachusetts they have health insurance that's available to anybody who is in that situation we didn't have health insurance like I didn't go Massachusetts, I know I mean I really I don't know where I would be today if I had still been residing in New York State at that moment but um, so. That changed up my focus and my business continued to maintain. It didn't. I didn't see the growth I'd seen in the, the past five years. Well, I mean, I just,
0: naturally, when that shift hits you like a meteorite, what are you going to do? And so exactly. good for you to even and stay and in business. You was
1: know, I, I, funny, you know, you hear all these stories about like women and like women in business and how, you know, how is that different from being men? And I never stopped to think about it at the time, but... In hindsight, like the bank that I had had my loans with, and you know, I, I'd run a successful business for a period of five or six years at this point, um, they called all my loans when he got sick because I knew I didn't have health insurance, so I had to lay everybody off, and it was just, it was, if they didn't call his dad's loans, mm-hmm. so it was kind of like I think that if I had been male at that time, yeah. <laughs> I probably would have had a different experience, but nonetheless, I, um, I there was all kinds of blessings that happened and I don't want to get too convoluted or make the story all about that particular incident, but I was invited to, um, to attend a conference at Mohawk Mountain House that was put on by the social venture network, which is an amazing organization that I think you would really dig. And, um, I went to the social venture network conference and I met people, there was 400 representatives from different businesses there. And they're from like Ben and Jerry's and Eileen Fisher and Tom's of Maine and, all different ram das was there leading meditations and i was like oh, wow and i was like i think i was 28 at the time yeah so i went to this conference and i met all these people and they all said to me well if there's ever anything you need from me let me know like this business you do is so cool and they were really interested in my business because it was a zero waste business which at the time that really wasn't even a slogan but we like used everything like like, you know, I came at this as an artist. You were like right?
0: the super pioneer hanging out with Ram Das with yeah. your zero waste and probably low carbon footprint at the time,
1: <laughs> right? Right, right. And like a lot of people, this was before Blue Bins, like people didn't really recycling was sort of a new concept at this point, right? So, um, when my son got diagnosed, I went to that conference in April, and like I said, he was diagnosed in May, so I did. I called up a few of those people I'd met along the way, and they were like, they jumped right to my help. And they just came, like one guy, Peter Strugatz, I will never. Like, never forget him. He's just such an amazing guy. He, you want to, you need your loans reinstated. I'm going to come with you to your bank. And he came to Millerton, New York in his Range Rover and picked me and Ben up. And we drove to the bank and he put his blue blazer with gold buttons on. And we walked into the bank and we walked out 10 minutes later and I had all my loans reinstated. And when we got back in the car, he looks at me and he goes, Well, I've never done that before. (laughs) And I thought, Wow, like, you just have to be like wealthy, like, put together business guy and you can kind of do whatever you want which was another lesson to me that just be like super professional and like you we were talking about earlier like yeah you go by the book and and follow the rules and then people so what yeah. would you
0: say your superpower is if you had to call it out what is it
1: oh my superpower is um i guess that that i have no fear like i really i think i learned that from my dad like when when you know the shit hits the fan you can just. Um, Look at it and go. Okay, well, well, where's the blessing in this? And where do what do I take away? What's the good part here? So your um,
0: dad also taught you gratitude. Yeah. Where's the blessing? Yeah. Yeah. Very very powerful stuff.
1: Yeah, very powerful. um, There's all kinds of funny stories about hanging out with my dad, but um.
0: That's another show.
1: That's another show. (laughs) um, Just to go back to my business, I moved to Massachusetts, and I um I I uh, you know kept doing my business and um ended up in 19 in 2003 i sold my business to um i was kind of like really in a place where i needed to have some help i was kind of struggling financially that the you know i had built this business that was more year-round but it wasn't really year-round and i was just like you know boy all this stuff was just kind of like not that much fun anymore so i had a woman um come I, i just called my friend Nancy up one day. And I said, Nancy, I'm having some trouble. I'm kind of struggling. I'd love to kind of get your spin on on what you think I should do. And she was also in the kind of home furnishings business and was able to kind of give me her professional advice. And she came over and she said, you know, I think the best thing I could do is probably buy your business. Wow. So that was
0: another angel kind of dropping out of nowhere.
1: Yeah. So Nancy and I worked together for five years and she really made the business year round. And we were you know, we, so you had a
0: badass mentor as well.
1: Yeah. Yeah. She Mm -hmm. was really um, amazing. And she, she came to the table with a lot of experience and a lot of people who were in her industry that she, you know, she had a much bigger business than mine and was able to really help me with um, people who were able to like do forecasting and financial stuff that I had never really put my head around. So um, she actually bought my business and I worked for her for five years and um during that time i got married and i had congratulations yeah so yeah you had some and, time uh, to think yeah so she um after five years of working together she just you know one day thought she really wanted to retire she's a you know a few years older than me and she just was like you know i really don't think that i want to continue to do this i want to kind of downsize all my responsibilities and she closed production which was a little like oh my gosh what am i going to do now because really as you guys know now from my story, I'd never really done anything else. And uh, a couple months after she closed the company, she said, you know, I've really thought about this. And I really, I think that the best thing to go forward is to gift you back the business. So that is what happened. So now here I am 2018. Um, I got three kids. My, like I said earlier, my son is doing well. He's um, in Boston and my two younger kids are 11 and 12 years old now. And uh, we all, you know, spent a lot of time together. I, I, I kind of what does the brand look like right now? What do we look like right now? As so a... my changed my brand. So my mom and dad, in addition to being high school art teachers, they also had a business called the dolphin studio, which was a screen printing business that they started in 1970. Yeah, and pretty they world renowned um, calendars
0: you, they, and things like that.
1: Yep, yep. So when my parents passed away, my sister and I um, took over that business. And we've been producing the dolphin studio calendar ever since. Mm-hmm. And it's a nice little business, you know, it's well-established. There's, we have a, a, a large volume of repeat customers. And, what I love um,
0: about this part of the story is the legacy. You know, the legacy that lives on from your parents through you guys is just incredible. Yeah. And the story like and the so, energy that it provides to so many of us beyond its creativity is family business, creativity, yeah. love. Um, yeah. yeah. And... Yeah, we'll get into another show another time about family business because that has its own warts and farts and tentacles as I like to say, having been in family business myself for many, many years. But tell me right right now, like where where is Crispina getting her fuel? Like what drives her today? She's doing her recycling business, international brand, running family legacies. We know you take care of your sister who's not very well in the in the hospital. Tell yeah. us, like, what what keeps this fuel going? Because we want to take people on a journey. Like, your journey is, frankly, just incredibly badass, even though you've kind of just posed it to us as, like, you've been kind of floating along, and people have fallen into your path, and you've had these great creative conversations, and things have populated. But let's be real. It wasn't all unicorn and butterflies, right? And here we are now at this stage in your life. What fuels you?
1: Well, I'll tell you, it's uh, it's funny. My my youngest daughter, um, I, first of all, throughout this whole time from the time i started my business in 87 until now 2018 well i should say 2017 i um i've never really been like completely focused on money i've been more focused on you know employing people who are unemployable or let me put the quotes around that term um and recycling and being environmental and there's been all these other things that have been like more of a uh, a focus for me than the actual making of money so in December, my youngest daughter, she was having a really hard time at school. And so my husband and I just decided that she wouldn't be much better off at a local Montessori school, which is a private school and costs, you know, a lot more money. Well, it costs money and public school obviously does not. So um, we, we enrolled her in the school and I just woke up. I think it was like that day. I just like a switch went off in my head and I just thought, you know what? I have all this groundwork done. I have had all these amazing experiences and I need to focus my attention now on making it possible for this additional cost in our family not to cause us stress. Right. And to be like a really, I mean, she is from that first week of school, she is so much happier. She's doing so much better. She's a happy kid now and she really wasn't prior. So it's definitely the right place for her. And I, it, it's my job as a mother to be, able to provide that to her so um, I just it's so funny like how things kind of get in your path when you need them to mm-hmm. I do a lot of driving and I listen to a lot of podcasts yeah <laughs> <laughs> I um, first of all I also listen to books so um, I live in a place where my my, um, my internet access is pretty spotty at best so when I'm at work I download books and I then can listen to them So I was leaving work. I was like a little late running out the door and I was like, Oh, you know, I have to just look at, Oh, I have, I'm going to download a book. I didn't even look at it. I downloaded it. I jumped in the car. I turned it on and it's Jensen Cheros, you're a badass at making money. And I just listened to this book and I was like, you know what, this is right. She's right. I can do this. So I listened to that book. I started looking around for business podcasts because before that I was just listening. I mean, I was listening to amazing podcasts, but nothing that was actually like helping me pursue my dreams, right? Like uh, this American life is a great one. And, you know, there's an innocence project, one that I like. And so I started listening to business podcasts and I found Jenna Kutcher, who is like my little guru in the sky my little 30 year old awesome girl who's like a really amazing teacher with tons of free content on her podcast and i just thought you know what i'm gonna i'm gonna develop a new business model that is you know really very different from where i started back in the 80s and develop a place where people can come and become empowered and learn how to create their own business learn that they have creative um, energy and abilities um in the me you know to Back up a little bit. I wrote a teaching book in 2009 and have been teaching workshops since then. And how many people come to my workshops and tell me they don't know how to make anything? I just, this is the first time I've made anything. I don't know how to do this. And they leave and they've been empowered and they're so surprised at their skill set that they never even knew they had. So my brand now is called Crispina French. I have a website that is crispinafrench.com and it's of got a, an odd spelling that we can go over toward the end of the podcast if that makes sense. And um, I'm going to spell so- it
0: right now because we're, we're coming to the close of the show. So it's Crispina C R I S P I N A F F R E N C H. CrispinaFrench.com is where we can find you on your website. And I'm sure we have connections to your social. And kind of wrapping it up, what I kind of want to say is you are passionate about change, shifting human attention to kindness, global healing. Celebration of individuality and being mindful of your cultural heritage and your legacy of your family. And that is why I just love everything you are doing so very much. I hope that we can continue this conversation as we move forward. We want to come and check back with you and see where this business plan has evolved, how your kids are doing, and all the great things that you're doing up in the Berkshires. You know, what I, what I, find so outstanding is that so many of the people that come on the show are change makers. They are people that are unsung heroes, just real people like you and I that are really making a difference in people's lives. Very, very, very important. And I think that we all believe in sort of supporting the collective growth, right? It's kind of how you move people forward. I believe it's how you move and fuel yourself, how you fuel your mind, your body, your spirit that ultimately creates the lifestyle you live. Everybody, thanks for tuning in. I hope that you'll support and take a look at some of my sponsors at denisedagrigley.com. These companies are also very big into the collective consciousness that we all live in, moving people forward, healing our, our globe, being passionate about Mother Earth, the product agent festivities, R.D. Weiss Company, Sax Walsh Insurance, Jeannie, Kelly, and Good Credit and Troy Fine Art Services. Thanks for tuning in, everyone. If you like it, please share it. You're on the Daily Drive with Denise. Have a fabulous Friday and great